we got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. I think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. The biggest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament in a multitude of ways. A 16 has beaten a 1 and a little lesson in a foreign language. This is Night two of the NCAA Tournament edition of the College Game Day podcast. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel with you. So, Pete, fairly Dickinson knocks off Purdue. Number one seed. There, I don't even really know where to start except to say this. The Northeast Conference had never won a game in the main draw of the tournament until now. Fairly Dickinson didn't even really win its conference in a one-bid league. Mm-hmm. They lost mm-hmm. to Merrimack, who was ineligible. Fairly Dickinson has a new coach who won four games last year before he took over, brought his Division two stars with him, at least a few of them, and they beat Purdue. I mean, and for point spread, whatever else you want to say, this is the biggest upset in the history of the tournament. I, uh, I I couldn't agree more. And look, we all watched the first four the other night. We all saw Fairleigh Dickinson. They are sort of your archetypical St. Peter's team, scrappy guards. I believe they're the shortest team in the NCAA tournament with an average in the height country. of six foot. I think they're shortest yes. in the country. Yes. Yeah. yes, in the country. That's right. So um, they are uh, they are sort of a testament to the small ball that we've all sort of rushed to. And and I do feel like. I have no Ken Palm stats to back this up. If you want to pull an upset, you better play small ball, right? Like that's just if you if you were going to have a chance, that is the way to do it. You need to rush the floor. You need to harass. You need to press. I mean, Purdue looked like they were trying to solve the Goodwill Hunting equation when uh, when Fairleigh Dickinson was pressing them early in the game. I mean, there were glaring fireworks over this game that that Purdue was going to have problems, and not just because they had young guards. They just they couldn't handle. They couldn't handle the metal. They couldn't handle the pressure uh, from it. So it was it was mesmerizing to watch and a blast to watch. Um, but at the same time, it, like like when you saw uh, some of the early traits of this game, it was it was very realistic. This wasn't like some guy went off for forty two when you know it was like the Pope from Caddyshack having the end of his life. I mean, they went they went toe to toe with them and they just harassed them into a victory. You know. As you as you watched the game unfold and you saw Tobin Anderson, I guess the comments came out, who is the yeah. coach at Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, by the way, alma mater of Seth Greenberg, Harvard on the Hackensack, he likes to <laughs> he likes to refer to it as. In Teaneck, New Jersey, in case you were wondering. But Purdue was Purdue felt slighted. They felt insulted because Anderson said, the more I watch them, the more I think we can win. Now, this dude won a ton at St. Thomas Aquinas, and he is the latest uh, the latest guy to step into a role and prove that uh, if you won it at a lower level, you can probably win at a higher level. Level uh, Lance Leipold uh, comes to mind in Kansas mm-hmm. football and a multitude of other guys. But, you know, and then they stepped out there and they backed it up. And even when it looked as if they were starting to let it get away, they didn't. But, Pete, not only the things that you're talking about, there are some other 
reasons that we should have seen this coming. Did did you take a foreign language in school? What foreign language did you take? Hablo uh, un poco español, pero uh, yo no hablo bien. See, si, uh, me too, and I, <laughs> I do not. I do not speak much Spanish, but I am reliably informed by someone who is fluent in French that perdu is the feminine form of the past participle of the verb perdre, which in French is to lose. And that's what <laughs> Purdue does is lose in the tournament. Purdue, Perdon't, Perdoesn't. Now, this is more about Fairleigh Dickinson, but Purdue is always going to be saddled with not only the second team to lose to a 16 seed, but in consecutive years, they've lost to a 15, albeit not in the first round last year. They lost to St. Peter's. They lost to a 13 in their previous tournament exit. And Matt Painter, who I believe to be an outstanding coach, but his teams have struggled in the tournament. I think they're nine and five against double digit seeds. And in each of those occasions, they've been a top five seed. And, you know, this was the, this was the biggest point spread upset in, in the tournament. This is massive, colossal failure for the Purdue program as great as it is for Fairleigh Dickinson and you can find you know small ball reasons and confidence and pucker factor and uh, guards hitting the wall as freshmen all the reasons you want to this is nothing but a face plant for Purdue it's embarrassing and and it, it is a it doesn't mean Purdue won't ever be good at basketball again but it is a it is a big haymaker to the jaw of that program that sort of rattles the timbers of the foundation and you figure, okay, it's been sort of an oddball thing, sort of coincidental in the past. Now it's a trend and they're going to have to fix it if they're going to be a power, because this is, uh, you know, it, it, it's become predictable now for Purdue. Yeah, absolutely. Purdue has not made the final four since 1980. And I agree with you. Matt Painter is a wonderful college player basketball coach but he has a postseason problem it's it's been apparent when you look back uh 2016 they uh they lose to little rock chris beard's little rock team uh mm -hmm. as as a as a number five seed in in, in a 512 game and then obviously you go uh you, you go on and there's the north texas game in 2021 and then obviously st peter's last year it is just you it's it's hard because i, I really feel like Reese college basketball has become a year to year business. It is right. Yeah. Look at Jeff Capel last year, this year, like it just, it changes so drastically that it's hard to, to pinpoint. You no, know, you can Houston basketball has an identity. There are some places that still have an identity, but your identity changes so much. Um, and Purdue has had so much success with big, you know, your big hulking dominant big men, your Isaac Hosses and your Zach Eady. Uh, uh, Jeff Borzella did a great story a couple weeks ago for us about, you know, their development of that and seeking that out. That's also antithetical to where basketball has gone. And you do wonder for Matt Painter, who I believe to be an elite basketball mind, he studies it. He's really, really bright. He, mm -hmm. he communicates the nuances of the game as well as any high-end coach that that I've been around. You do wonder if they have to rip up the model. Uh, you just do wonder if you have to step back and say, this way that we have played and this style that we have played through sort of a lumbering, towering, dominant big is perhaps 
not the best way to win. You know what? I'm not sure I'm with you there. Um, I think it's psychological. I really Interesting. do. And I know that there are that there are different players. I know things have changed, and I'm not doing this to put it all on Matt because I, I I've been to Matt's practices. I've covered his games. I really like him as a guy and as a coach. Sometimes, sometimes you you get some kind of demon or obstacle or something, and you've got to find a way to stare it down and overcome it psychologically. Purdue has better players than Fairleigh Dickinson, period. Yes. Whether whether they're yes. playing small ball, big ball, whatever. And, you know, they they got tight as the game went on. They're going to have to find a dude that doesn't get tight. They're going to have to maybe if they're going to use big guys, which I think they should, because they're not going to suddenly start beating the elite teams and outspending no, them in fair. NIL. They're not going to start getting those guys. They do a great job of finding and developing players. What they need to do now is overcome that psychological hurdle, which maybe wasn't a thing, but after tonight it is. <laughs> after yeah. last year in the North Texas <clears throat> and, you know, it they they uh I think you told me just before we started that um that you've written a column about their near miss. They were almost the first. Yes. Well, you know what? There were others that were almost the first. Georgetown was almost the first. Yes. Oklahoma was, there was almost Oklahoma the first. Murray yeah. State game. I believe they went to overtime. Those three until UMBC, in my mind, and I'm sure there's one other one, those three had uh had, had resonated. So yeah. Um but was Western Carolina in 96, was, you, you wrote a piece on it? Tonight? It was Western Carolina in 96. Yes. So I wrote a piece on that tonight. So the coach of Western Carolina in 1996 was a guy named Phil Hopkins, who, you know, 146 teams have lost 16-1 games. And Phil Hopkins was one of the 46. He got promoted there, got Western to the tournament the first year, lasted four more years, got dismissed, and then ended up as a junior high gym teacher. And I found him completely on accident Early in my career, he do you remember the name Lee Scruggs? Reese, he was a Juco yeah. who went to Georgetown. Yeah. He's a pretty good player in the mm -hmm. Big East in the early mm -hmm. 2000. So Phil had signed him at Western, couldn't get him eligible. He went to Juco. So anyway, I was doing a profile of Lee Scruggs in like 2001. And I was like, oh, I wonder what this guy at Western thinks of him. And he wasn't there. And I called Western. And I was like, where's Phil Hopkins? I want to call him. They were like, yeah, he's at Walhalla Junior High School. And I was like, what? Well, Hall junior high school. So I called Phil Hopkins, literally caught him in the break room. You want to talk about fate? Like, like, you know, it's a junior high. You don't have a phone in your classroom in early 2000. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I said to Phil, I was like, man, I was like, weren't you the guy like who almost beat Purdue? And he was like, yeah. And he's a charming guy. So fast forward a bunch of years later, I was working at the New York times. Um, Phil Hopkins top assistant on the team was Thad Mata. Mm. And Thad Mata was about to be a one seed with the Odin Conley crew. And I thought it was a really good story to just kind of say, hey, this guy was, you know, almost one as a 16 is about to be a one and went back and kind of relived that whole run with uh, with Phil Hopkins. And so long story short, Phil Hopkins passed away in early March um, and he was kind of the, the coach who was almost, you know, he's almost famous. Right. He was he was almost the guy. So he died. He died on March 2nd. And from the time I went visit him in Wall Hall, and now he became my friend. Like we would text. He, he watched game day, would always hit me up after um, lived in South Carolina. He was just a really, really good guy. And like, honestly, 
if one of his former assistants or one of his friends who's an assistant coach, he wasn't on that Western staff, hadn't texted me, I wouldn't, I would have like picked up the phone and called Phil tonight because it was just kind of just like just like in in 2018. I just looked back, I texted him in big caps, you better be watching this, you know? Yeah. He enjoyed sort of his role as being almost famous, but just as much as he enjoyed coaching junior high, he he never wanted to leave. He could have gone back to college, never did, and uh ended up moving to Richmond where he spent time with his two kids and seven grandkids. Uh, amazing guy, amazing story. And I just kind of felt the kismet tonight as that happened with Purdue losing right in front of me. And I was, I was thinking about Phil. So I wrote a column on, uh, you know, just the line, one shot goes in, one shot goes out, your life changes. Right. I, and so anyway, just to kind of, I I think, you know, me well enough. I don't, I don't delve into like, I don't write, I don't use the word I a lot when I write, you know, that's not my job as a reporter. I'm not, I'm not to do that, but man, felt in my heart tonight, missed, missed my guy, Phil. And his funeral is tomorrow morning, Saturday morning at 10 AM in his hometown in South Carolina. So, uh, God rest his soul. And, uh, yeah, there's some, there was some, there was some kismet, uh, you know, through, uh, through, through tonight. So, and uh, I know this about Phil, cause I read back all our texts from over the years uh, tonight. He, he always still rooted for the underdog. So I'm sure he's smiling from, uh, he's smiling from up above. Man, I, I can't wait to read that Pete. That's uh that's really, that, that's a fascinating and uh, remarkable coincidence, I guess, because of the, the services coming up. That's uh, I'm looking forward to reading that. Remember watching that game and you know, as as harsh as I have been on Purdue, and and look, they earned it. I mean, that's the way it is. But I do feel badly for them. I, I really do. I mean, Zach Eady uh, had a had a really good game tonight. They didn't touch the ball quite enough in the second half. Purdue's had a wonderful season. They're they're freshman guards who've taken the brunt of some criticism, and I've doled out some of it. Or I, I don't know. I haven't really criticized them as much as I've said I felt like they've they've hit hit that edge. Yeah. I think they're both going to be really good. Sure. Um, and are, they are really good going to be a lot better. I'll put it that way. I feel badly for them, but, uh, it's, uh, man, this, this tournament is a remarkable thing because it makes and breaks legacies. <clears throat> it leaves coaches like your friend, Phil, almost famous, or it elevates Shaheen Holloway to the big time. And who knows what it's going to do in the long term for for Tobin Anderson mm-hmm. and it's um you know it's really i mean there there's already been there have already been stories out about when he took over the job last spring you know he sort of keeps a list of the schools that wouldn't give him the time of day he had an emergency practice sort of like our, our emergency podcast to see <laughs> what he had and all the guys had left the only guys he had that had stuck around were were role players and kind of you know backups i mean division 1 players so they're good but you know, maybe to be able to turn it around like that is um, is remarkable. Can I tell a quick? Uh, can I tell you a quick Tobin Anderson story? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That he may or may not want me to tell. So I've known Go Tobin ahead, for a while. Him. Northeast guy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of. We we run in the same sort of northeast circles, um, and if, I've got to know him fairly well over the years. Um, uh, so it is, you want to connect, uh, iconic upsets. I, uh, last spring I covered the sweet 16. It was one of my first assignments for, uh, for, for ESPN. I flew out to state college to, it was in Philly with mm-hmm. St. Peter's. So I flew out to state college to uh, go to spring practice at Penn state. And then I had a, uh, I had a lengthy drive to Philly, no, not, not the smoothest drive in America. If you've ever done it. And I'm sure you've done it a few times. 
Um, so anyway, on that drive, Tobin Anderson called me and I think he had like hit me the day before. And I said, Hey, let, let me give you a call on, you know, on this drive. So anyway, literally driving to go see St. Peter's upset Purdue and, uh, Tobin is still at Aquinas at the time. And he spent much of a lengthy conversation venting about search firms. It was basically, how do I get a shot? How do mm -hmm. I get a division one shot? And mm -hmm. he he had a pretty good jab in his press conference the other day. Um, and there's so many press conferences now. You probably didn't see it. Basically, like like it was something to the effect of, you know, when I retire, I want to start a search firm because he didn't <laughs> feel like a search firm. Now that's actually a fairly stupid thing for Tobin <laughs> to say because there's gonna be search firms that are gonna get him the next job, and they have long memories and probably some thin skin. But you could feel like you know he was he was feeling his oaths after uh, after winning that first four game. Um, in, in, in turning that program around, but there's, you know, to his, so that's March. He doesn't get the job for two more months, Reese. He got it in May. And um, yeah, to his credit, man, like, first of all, you know, it, it is, you, you, we see so many hires that just fall in the same paradigm in football. It's the hot coordinator, the group mm -hmm. of five coach, you know what I mean? And then you see a guy like John Summerall at Troy, who is a linebacker coach, dynamic recruiter. He like, like you see someone say, you know what, that guy's just a good coach and he's going to be a good leader. And I mean, Tobin Anderson's record in, in division two was preposterous. I mean, he was just mm -hmm. relentlessly and ridiculously successful year after year after year in the Metro area. So, uh, credit Brad Holbert, the, uh, the, the AD at FDU for, you know, look, he could have hired the, uh, the assistant coach at St. John's or Rutgers, right. You know what I mean? He could have, he could have gone through the similar path and and he he looked a little harder and and said you know what like this is you know this the game a shot and uh poof man that's going to change that school I and mean, one of the saint peter's memories that i have um you know and obviously they they had that whole week of publicity when you win two games you really you really rock mm -hmm. and roll but um their school which in basketball lore other than seth greenberg going there is that it hosted the abcd camp every year so I've been mm -hmm. to, I think the gym, the schools in Teaneck, the gyms in Hackensack, if I remember right. It's like one of those two. Uh, Andrew yeah. Catalan, who was on the call tonight, who's my buddy from college, is a Jersey guy. He was giving Teaneck a shout out. But I remember for many publications for many years going going there and my the, 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 the dateline was Hackensack, which is kind of a great dateline if you're an old newspaper guy. Uh, but I mean, I saw LeBron James play there as a freshman. I remember seeing his mom smoking like uh, – Newport 100 cigarettes out on the, I mean, I could go on ABC, but like every, that was where the LeBron James, Lenny Cook uh, battle happened that got memorialized in that documentary. Um, mm -hmm. I saw Carmel Anthony. I mean, I could, I could go on for hours about the old ABC camp, but I was, you know, Sonny Vaccaro running, you know, running, running ship. Uh, guys were flying in from Nike camp. Then we're supposed to be there. So that, that was a hub for a good 10 years. That was like the hub of summer basketball. And it was a complete circus. And uh, yeah, Tobin Anderson's brought a new kind of circus to town, winning. And now Tobin's going to get to hit Seth up for a bigger donation to try to help some of the facilities there too. Yeah. I believe the coach before Tobin, I believe, was Greg Vatrone, who is known as Shoes. And if your nickname is Shoes and you can't win in northern New Jersey, it's really hard to win in northern New Jersey. <laughs> you ever run into shoes with Tyrone? I'm really going Northeast basketball on you now, Reese. Uh, is, no, I, I, like I am, I'm, un, I am, I'm unfamiliar with shoes with Tyrone's work. 
he's uh he's he, he's an old running buddy of barry slice rorson who i, I mean, know barry yeah, yeah i know slice Every, everybody who's ever covered basketball on those slice right yes yeah he's sort of a he's he's from the he's from the slice paradigm i guess um but he's yeah he is definitively uh he's definitely shoes i don't know if shoes was the last coach there or not uh, uh I, greg horrenda oh no it was greg horrenda yeah it was greg horrenda and then and then she, it was shoes before Greg. Yeah, Greg Horrenda and then Greg, Greg Vitron. Yep. Yeah, when uh, Greg Horrenda was there, uh, we did something. Uh, Billis, Fonz, Seth, and I did something uh, on a Zoom or something from one of our game day things to try to help them with a fundraiser. And uh, now, now they're going to help their own fundraising. And I'm not at all suggesting that one win like this can transform uh, the school. But it is a jumping off point. I mean, we saw sure. how St. Peter's got a lot of attention. The quintessential example that I've brought up before is obviously Gonzaga, because people have forgotten before Gonzaga made that run to the Elite Eight in '99 with Matt Santangelo, and uh, you know, and they lost to UConn. Mm-hmm. They there was some there was a fear around that university that they were about to close the doors close not to the back sure. to the yeah. university yes and when they did that applications went up it's the so-called flutie effect uh michael vick effect at virginia tech um i think it's even happened at clemson really with uh with their football success it's and even at big schools it happens you know where too. it's really happened is in football is usc in alabama yeah i mean usc again i don't I, I don't claim that know the U.S. News and World Report rankings of it before Pete Carroll, but it was a little bit of a party school. It mm-hmm. was not nearly what it is now academically then. And Alabama has had this huge, broad reach throughout the country. So it's, it's not it's that they just let anyone in before like 30 years ago. <laughs> hey, cool. <laughs> Cum laude, Pally. Uh, but, uh, right. okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, but no, you're right. It's double at Alabama. It's doubled the enrollment, uh, double from really what I was there. And it was it was a little bigger when Saban took over than when I was in school. They're not appreciably. Now it's basically double. So, you know, when you talk about I, I, you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I get so tired of the. Oh, to be in the same conference, we have to be aligned academically. I think that's beyond stupid. You can work with anybody you want to academically. But that is a real connection between athletics and academics because it gives you it's the proverbial front porch of your school. People see it. People who might not have known anything about Gonzaga back in the day or uh, they don't know fairly Dickinson. Now they do. And this is this is the way you find out. And they found out about more about Boston College when Floyd was there, Virginia Tech, when Michael Vick was there, and any number of other basketball schools. But it's a great moment for Fairleigh Dickinson. It probably, you know, I, I figure it, it comes to an end the next round. Uh, most of the time it does. The St. Peter's type runs are a little bit unusual, or even the Oral Roberts run to the Sweet 16 are a little unusual. And I mm-hmm. still think, sure. despite... Arizona being gone, Purdue being gone, four seed Virginia being gone. I still don't think you're going to win your bet about a seven seed being in a final four. I really don't. I mean, I well, don't. That's, that's fine. That's fine. We have, uh, we although, have although FAU you've got a one just seed. advancing here. Yeah. You've got a one seed in big trouble tomorrow. Um, 
with Houston playing Auburn in Birmingham, maybe without mm-hmm. Sasser or at least with the diminished Marcus Sasser. Jamal Shedd also uh, hyperextended knee. He says he'll play. Will he be 100%? That game is uh, unlikely to be aesthetically pleasing. It will be it will be a fist fight figuratively uh, between those two, and it may be without those two uh, the only way that Houston can win. And then, regardless of what the committee says, it was a, a either a, a catastrophic oversight or. Yeah, a ridiculous underestimation. They said it was their their best option or something like that. Well, they Um, said they don't consider matchups past the first round. That was my takeaway from what I said. They always say that. They they always say that, Pete. That is so dumb, it's unimaginable. Um, because you I would tend to agree. I mean, you you can't look at a a second round matchup for a one. Now we know what just happened with Fairleigh Dickinson, obviously, but you can't look at and and say, oh well, we don't care about that. Iowa might win. Well, yeah, okay, they might, but you you can't if you earn a one seed and the number two overall seed in the whole stinking tournament, and you're gonna do that to them. I mean, that's um, you know, that's that's not right. And I understand they can't project and they'll get in trouble, but that I, I looked at that and you look at the other eight nines and I see their problem because you were looking at potential rematches either with now Memphis lost right Florida Atlantic just advanced as we were sitting here talking. Florida Atlantic um, did advance and it looked like okay. some type of uh pretty salty buzzer beater, like with two seconds left. That was a, <laughs> it was a, you know, a, it'll be a memorable ending. That'll be in one shining moment. Okay. Um, so see, that's what the committee's yes. going to fall back on. They're going yeah. to say, well, see, you know, Ford Atlantic beat Memphis and, you know, they were, but they avoided the second round potential rematch between Houston and Memphis. They avoided the potential second round rematch between Alabama and Auburn or Alabama and Arkansas. All you got to do is move somebody a seed line. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to bat an eye for Auburn's a 10. They were probably yep. closer to a 10 than a nine anyway. Yep. And so just move them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's uh, anyway, it's un, it, it's not a fair situation in Houston, but the bigger problem for Houston is not the city in which the game is played, but it's the two guys who aren't going to be or unlikely to be a hundred percent. That's yes. a, I mean, this is a, this is a little thing, the tournament venue or the site of the game. It's a small thing that shouldn't have happened, but the real issue is not that the real issue uh, would, would be Sasser and Shed tomorrow yeah. for sure. So, or so, do you think we're going to have another one seed go down? Do you think Houston loses tomorrow? And I'm not sleeping on Arkansas either. I agree. Like, they're, they're very, they're, they're very talented capable. Now. Yeah. Like they've, they've never figured it out this year. I think Muscle's is a great coach, right? I mean, he's proven that time and again, Nevada, et cetera, was in the NBA for years. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. Um, the, you know, all the, all the pieces didn't fit this year for them, but they still got the pieces, and when when you're talented, playing with nothing to lose and playing loose, mm-hmm. whereas Kansas has again they they pulled away from Howard, but they showed them some vulnerabilities. We don't have a definitive status on Bill Self yet for tomorrow, mm-hmm. correct, Reese? Right. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, they had I hoped seen, he would be back yes. for the tournament, but now I don't. You know, yes. he's been around at practice, some from what I understand. But yes, um, and again it's that shouldn't matter all 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 health to bill self let's Absolutely. hope he's on the sideline 20 more years and yeah. 
yeah, it, and I, I feel for him having to make a decision like that. Like, like if you weren't healthy enough to coach Thursday, I don't know. I don't want to play doctor, but like, take your time, Bill. Like, yeah, absolutely. There'll be there there will be other games. There will be other tournaments, and there will be a lot more of them for yes. Bill Self in Kansas. You got a final parting shot on this uh, uh, Purdue per doesn't per didn't and the big one for Fairley Dickinson. Well, I'm going to give you a compliment. I'm going to I'm going to go away away to the rest of the bracket a little bit. Your UConn Huskies, I thought, played really well today. Um, they played really really well today. They're good, um, man. They they ran great offense. They looked really well coached, um, and they had a, like a good energy about them. So props to them. And there is a little time left, so I could end up eating my words. But uh, I'm, I'm wearing candy striped pants right now because my Indiana Hoosiers <laughs> are making are going to make all all everyone who picked them. You know, got a little carried away watching that MAC title game. Um, they're going to uh, make make some of those folks regret uh, taking them. Yeah, I I'm I'm probably already regretting it, but you, you know what? I, I wasn't oh, going fun. You know what? You the thing is, is I wasn't the the philosophy is, is my daughter filled out a bracket. We're going at it, and you know, she would get upset if her team's lost in the first round. And I told her the the issue is not losing your first round teams. Your your issue is when you lose your elite eight. Yes. Uh, final four teams especially but it hurts you too in the bracket when you lose your sweet 16 teams mm -hmm. but yes. you know the the issue everybody's going to lose some yeah. first round teams especially sure. especially this year with uh with the uh, yeah. one and twos a couple one and twos going down so yeah anyway well, i had arizona winning so i'm just gonna i'm gonna fall on the sword of terrible picks uh well i picked a bracket for teddy uh my one-year-old son and i picked gonzaga winning i don't really know why i can't tell you what i just kind of wanted his bracket to be a little different than mine and, and everything like that. And when, when Gonzaga was struggling to uh, Fonz's son's Grand Canyon that I was like, geez, we could have the worst family bracket in America if I have both out by, by midnight on Friday, but the Zags advanced and uh, yeah, Teddy, Teddy will have some bragging rights uh, from dad. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was watching that game as I was traveling. I was watching on my computer and I found myself because my affinity for, for Fonz and, and, you know, I, we've talked about this. Mark Few is one of my favorite guys in coaching in either sport. And, uh, I felt, I felt a little guilty, but man, I was, uh, I was emotionally invested in that first half rooting for Walt. I thought Walt played pretty well in the first half. He made a couple of really nice shots, ended up, uh, fouling out and Gonzaga is just too much. Strother was terrific. Good gracious. He was, yeah. he was phenomenal, especially, especially in first half. So, yeah. all right, my friend, we'll do it again on Sunday night and well, great can, insight. Can cut I it mean, to 10 after I started bragging. So you, <laughs> I may, I, I may be in, in line for some late night taunting text messages here. If, uh, if the flash just flash. So, uh, we, but yeah, this was fun, man. That uh, fairly Dickinson will live on in, uh, for eternity. Biggest upset in the history of the tournament by a number of standards and Purdue fans. Hey, I don't know what to tell you. At least you got those big 10 banners. Enjoy those. It's yeah. uh, winning. Those is a little bit less, especially the regular season ones is a little bit less of a crap shoot than uh, um, um, one, one loss in your out tournament. So I'm trying to offer some comforting words and the only people uh, that were, almost as happy as Fairleigh Dickinson were Virginia fans because they're delighted to have some company and <laughs> one seed falling to a 16. Thanks for yeah. listening to uh, this tournament night edition of the College Game Day podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcast.